podcast this is your host madeline moon okay just wanted to spice up that intro a little bit welcome to my podcast the mind body musings podcast today we're going to be talking about three questions you can ask yourself um these questions are filter questions on whether or not your desire or the question, the, the request you're going to make someone is coming from a place of sovereignty or it's coming from a place of it's conditional, right? Right. So like I'm asking them if they'll do this favor for me and I'm already setting them up to fail if they say no, because it's not truly just asking it, being sovereign over all the outcomes, it's actually secretly pretty manipulative. So you'll ask them this question, and if they say no, then that means you'll withhold love from them, and you didn't really ask it, knowing the full consequences of it, that kind of thing. So I'm going to give you three questions. I'm going to say them all together, and then I'll break them down one by one. But I want to say them all together so you can write them down if you are you know, in a not driving anywhere that's pretty much not driving where you can write them down or otherwise you can just come back to this. Um, yeah, so let's go ahead and jump right on in. Question number one, is this going to bring me closer or further from being a vessel? Is this going to bring me closer or further from being a vessel? Question two, If I don't get the response from them that I want or expect, will I still be glad I did it or I asked? If I don't get the response from them that I want or expect, will I still be glad I did it or asked? Question three comes from David Data, who is one of not my personal spiritual feminine masculine teachers, but he is one of them. I work with people who have worked with him directly. I love everything David Data is. Everything. If you're not familiar, go look him up. Go get his books. Go get his book, Dear Lover, and get his book, The Way of the Superior Man. Uh, He's a gem. And a lot that I teach on this podcast is from that lineage. So question three comes from him, and I'm going to phrase it two different ways. One is from the masculine perspective, and one is from the feminine perspective. And remember, you have both of these perspectives. So if you are someone who feels immensely burdened by all the to-dos you must do in life, that is the masculine perspective. And if you are someone who feels like there's never enough love, there's never enough love in this world, and there's so much chaos and complications in your emotions, that's the feminine perspective. So question three in two parts, David asks or says, suppose her complaint about your lack of attention never ends. What would you 
need to do in order to be with that the rest of your life? Suppose that if you're, if you're the masculine, suppose that someone is coming at you and complaining that you're never present enough. If they were going to complain about this for the rest of your life, what would you need to do to be okay with that? And from the feminine perspective, the other question is, suppose his attention or feeling of burden never ends. So suppose that the people in your life or life itself never feels present or grounded enough with you. It's never giving you enough love. You're never receiving the amount of love you want. Suppose you don't feel like you're receiving the amount of love that you desire for the rest of your life. It'll never end, right? This complaint you have about, why aren't you paying attention to me? Imagine that will never end. You'll always feel that way. What will you need to do in order to be okay with that for the rest of your life? I'll add in another perspective here because I know a lot of you have struggled with food or body. And whenever I used to be primarily a body image coach, I would ask this one question. What if you were never satisfied with your body forever? Like you're going to live your entire life seeing your body as not good enough. Just imagine like this isn't ideal, but just imagine that it's never going to meet the expectations that society has planted in your head of what the quote perfect body looks like. What then would you decide to do if you knew that would never end? And then bonus question, question number four is, what would a queen do? What would a motherfucking queen do? That is question number four. What would a queen do? Or you could also interchange this with whatever archetype you want to play with. I was talking to my really good friend, Allie Tate Cutler, who was on the podcast a while back. Um, We're talking about being like bitchy and how that is oftentimes thrown at people in the in the modeling world and and just in the world in general but I think it's a little bit more there I'm not in that space but it seems like that is supposed to be a pretty pretty common thing people call each other whenever they no longer like each other she's a bitch well what if question four was what would a bitch do like because what is a bitch a bitch is someone who's really standing up she's a boss right that's really what it is and it's been used in a patriarchal sense, as an insult to keep women not being that, not being in their assertiveness, always being warm. And if you're not warm, it's so complicated. Like if if you're not warm enough and have enough emotions, then you're a bitch. But then also, if you have too many emotions, you're not stable. So in in many perspectives being a bitch is being very powerful so you could ask that question what would a bitch do in this instance or what would an oracle do what would a witch do what would mother mary do what would um mother Teresa do what would uh, who's a really powerful woman oh what would lizzo do (laughs) okay so a bonus question question number four could be like what what would whatever archetype is on your mind do So let's go back through these. Question number one, is this going to bring me closer or further to being a vessel? I oftentimes, as a spiritual human being, which all human beings are, because we all have spirits, I want to know how I can better be a vessel. And I will use this question as a filter question for a lot of things in my life, like whether or not, even if it's, it's about what I'm eating or how I am moving my body and working out. 
is this going to make me a more clear, open vessel? Because sometimes my vanity of, will get in the way and it actually leads me to doing things that aren't really serving me. So maybe I'll get caught up in the idea of doing workouts six days a week, but that actually might exhaust me and leave little room for me to be the teacher that I am because I'll be so tired and my mind will be focusing on pre-workout food, post-workout food, doing the workout, and then that takes up time. And sometimes as healthy as working out six times a week at the gym doing something to move my body sounds, what might be more vessel clearing, make me a better vessel, is three times a week doing yoga. And that's it. And just walking the rest of the week. Just walking whenever I need movement or exercise, walking my dog. So this is a really fantastic question that I will ask myself whenever I'm kind of trying to tease apart whether I'm doing something from a place of love and nurturing my body and nourishment and self-care and is this going to help me with my teachings and is this influencing my teachings positively or is this actually coming from a place of lack and scarcity and maybe even fear? Is this going to bring me closer or further to being a vessel? And this is also how I, this is also a question that I can filter my business moves through, like leading, co-leading a retreat or going on to a podcast. Is this a good use of my time? Does this make me a clear vessel or does this actually kind of cloud my vessel? Because if I'm asked on a podcast with someone who is a host that I don't really know, it could be a great opportunity. It could help me to spread my message more and it could lead me to having a new friend or it could be a complete waste of my time because me and her might not have any chemistry at all as host and an interviewee. Could be a learning experience, could be something that actually takes up space during my Tuesday afternoon that I could be doing something else for my own business. So that's a question I will ask myself. Is this going to bring me further or closer to being a vessel? Speaking my truth in a moment. If, if there's a moment with a client or a family member or a lover that I have the opportunity to speak something that might be uncomfortable, I can ask myself, is this me walking my talk by speaking up about this? Um, Or is this actually coming from a place of ego and rigidity? Is this going to, is speaking my truth in this moment going to help me be a clear vessel? Because sometimes even, even something like that, like raising up a point that you wouldn't have raised earlier helps you to be a better leader because you get uncomfortable speaking your truth and it reminds you of why you do the work that you do. So is this going to bring me closer or further to being a vessel is a wonderful question for anyone, regardless of whether or not you are a teacher in this kind of space. Everyone in their own way is an influencer. It's such a weird word because now it's related just really to social media, but everyone influences each other in some way. And whether you are a daughter, a mother, a father, a girlfriend, a wife, a husband, a lover, a speaker, a coach, a healer, a teacher, you are a vessel and you're carrying a very precious baby, a little precious baby that is the seedling of the divine. It's growing within you. And the way you eat, 
the clothes you wear, the way you talk, the way you wake up, your morning routine, your night routine, the books you read, the music you listen to, the way that you dance, your workouts, the friends that you have, the kinds of cocktails you drink when you go out, everything influences that little seedling. It doesn't mean that you need to be uptight and rigid about it because I sure as heck am going to get a Manhattan if I'm sitting on a rooftop bar in New York City on a Friday night listening to some Lizzo. I'm obsessed with Lizzo right now. If I'm listening, I'm going to have a Manhattan. I'm going to wear my high heels because that will, on that Friday night, in my opinion, most likely help me be a better vessel because I'm having fun and I'm living and it's feeding something within me. Whereas another night, it, it might not feed me in that way. It depends. So this isn't black and white, whereas like these things over here are very vessel clearing and then these things aren't. It's on a moment to moment basis. Right now on a Monday morning at 9 a.m., it would not make me the best vessel to drink a Manhattan on a rooftop bar. But tonight, I don't know. We'll see. So this is just a great question to ask yourself on the moment to moment basis. And remember, what was vessel opening and clearing five minutes ago could be different now. And that's part of being a responsive creature is to check in with yourself often. How do I feel now? How do I feel now? What about now? And allowing yourself to let it change and be different. Question number two, if I don't get the response from them that I want or expect, will I still be glad I did it? This is a great question. Going back to what I was saying in the intro of this, this is a great question to ask. If you want to know if you're setting someone else up to fail or you're setting yourself up for resentment. This is, um, this is an example that I have. And it's a little different because in the question number two, if I don't get the response from them that I want or expect, will I still be glad I did it? So it's a little different because it's actually an action rather than me coming up with a question. But I read this in a book. Um, the book was Calling in the One. And it was just a fabulous example of someone setting themselves up for resentment. And we do this when we ask requests or we do certain actions. We can think about this in multiple different ways. So here's one example from this book. This woman really wanted to have a significant other. And she only had one nightstand by her bed. And so once she started dating someone, she automatically was thinking, well, whenever I am dating someone, I'll give them the side of the bed with a nightstand because there's only one. And she was already setting this person up for failure. She was already pre-planning that this person would have the side of the bed with a nightstand and that she didn't like that. This is not sovereignty. Sovereignty in this example would be I am fully aware I only have one nightstand and I'm fully aware that I want to give that side of the bed to my partner from love and from ownership. And I know, I fully know that means I will not have a nightstand. And I know that means I'll have to reach over him to put the glasses on the table or I'll have to keep my book there. And because I'm aware of all these different angles, I'm telling myself I'm okay with that. Sovereignty is not... I guess he's going to get the side of the bed with the nightstand because there's not an option. That's automatically taking the victim stance and it's co-conspiracing. Like it, you're, cons you're conspiring against your future lover who doesn't even exist and who hasn't even done anything wrong. And that leads to him not trusting you. The masculine 
one of the number one complaints I hear from the masculine is that I cannot trust the feminine to speak her mind when she feels something. I can't trust her. And it's not that they're blaming the feminine, saying, how dare you? Because most masculine creatures know that the feminine has a hard time unpacking all these things because of our lineage of women having our throats slit and cut open whenever we spoke our truth. Like, it's hard. We're figuring our way. So a conscious man knows that. But he's also fully aware. A conscious masculine also knows that being able to fully trust the feminine to speak her needs and her truth is not really present. Because they don't know. You might be saying yes, but thinking no. And they have to be almost, they almost have to have superpowers to actually have x-ray vision to see within you to know if it's actually a no or a yes. And that's their job. I mean, I fully believe that the, one of the masculine's jobs is to learn how to read our bodies better than we can read ourselves. I think the deeper the masculine goes with his presence and consciousness and depth, the deeper we get to go. And that's why men have a very big job to do. Or I'll say primarily masculine creatures have a very big job to do. Going that deep to be able to read someone's body better than they can read themselves, I think that's something that we as the feminine do very well. We have very strong oracles. I could tell you by seeing you what's happening in your life. I d I've, I've just always been able to do this very easily. I can see if you are uncomfortable being in my presence, happy being in my presence, if you have something going on at home, if you got a weird dream. I can typically tell these things. So I can read your body pretty well, but what, what I think our world really needs is the masculine to be able to go very deep in that way. Because the ma masculine energy is what got a lot of us in our society into trouble, and it's also what's going to take us deeper into healing. It's true. It's going to be together. So I'm getting a little off topic here, so I'm going to get back on topic. Going back to the question to ask yourself the filter question, if I don't get the response from them that I want and expect, will I still be glad I did it? And you can think about this in, in many different ways of how are you conspiring against someone by asking them a question and secretly having motives. A way that you can clear that doesn't mean you don't have m desires anymore. So here's a great way that, here's an example. The unconscious way to come at a question, let's say, let's just say it, put this in sexual terms because I know this is a place that's oftentimes a struggle for people. Let's say that the feminine being really wants more attention on her body. So the feminine being could ask in an unconscious way, I feel like we never spend much time on me and I would really love if we have a bit more time focusing on my body. The real message within that question is most likely, at least for the sake of this example, I am craving to be seen and ravished and worthy of all your time. And if you don't think so, I'm going to be heartbroken. And I really want and desire and demand you to spend an hour on me if that's what it takes. And I will be truly heartbroken if you show any signs of frustration around that because I feel insecure about asking this question and I'm really expecting you to hold me in this question and nurture me in this question and make sure I feel super comfortable in this question and if you give me one odd look or you don't do what I'm asking here I'm gonna be frustrated because that means I'm gonna have to ask it again and I don't want to have to ask it again so that's that's one deeper meaning of what it actually could mean and you could say that Right? Like that's actually a very healthy relation relationship to be that honest and open. Like, here's what I mean, here's what I actually feel. And and within that, 
knowing full well that you're not in control of how they respond and knowing full well that you might have to hold the pose. You might have to ask it again and 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 be a broken record because the masculine's nervous system is denser than ours. It's thicker than ours. We're very sensitive creatures. So if you ask us something once or even look at us in a certain way, we're going to feel it running through our bodies. The masculine doesn't quite know that. I mean, you may think that you've revealed several times that you want more attention to be put on you sexually by maybe like looking down at your body, being like, mm -mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like trying to show them that you want more attention and they're still not getting it because you probably need to speak it. You need to say it out loud. And even once you speak it, you might need to speak it more. So ask yourself, if I don't get the response from them that I want, so maybe they don't get it, they don't put all this attention onto you immediately, will I still be glad I did it? If the answer is yes, good, ask that question. If the answer is no, figure out how you can reveal it even deeper. Figure out how you can get to a yes. Speak your question so deeply and so honestly and reveal your heart's truth at the same time so deeply that you are going to feel empowered no matter what that person says or does. Like imagine being so radically honest and open about your deep desire to have attention put on you so much to the point that whether or not they say yes or no, you're going to walk away feeling like, yeah, wow. I just stood up for myself so deeply that I feel like a queen. It will lead you to feeling like a queen. So if you ask yourself, if I don't get what I want, will I be Will I resent them? Go deeper. How can you phrase it, whatever it is that you want, in a way that will not lead to resentment? And actually creating sovereignty around that. A great way to create sovereignty around this from the start is knowing, already knowing from the start, you're probably going to have to repeat it multiple times. And knowing you're okay with that. Because whatever it is you want probably is worth saying over and over and over and over. And how can you reveal to them even your fear around sharing this truth. The other day I said something to someone and I said, I, what was it? I wish I could give the exact example. Um, I was talking about something. I think it was talking, I think I was talking about not liking someone, not really liking someone. And I think I said something like, this is my truth around this. I'm not a very big fan of this person. And I'm also noticing that I'm feeling a little insecure about sharing this with you because you may think less of me I was just very honest because that's the level that I'm playing at now it feels good and, and them bless their heart they were like oh no no don't be insecure don't be it's okay you know because they don't fully they don't fully I, I think understand or know the power of being like they're still trying to cover it up you know kind of like in fat culture when you say I feel fat and the other person goes no 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 you're not no 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 you're not you're not you're not like and it actually can be very empowering to say certain things I don't I'm I'm not saying right now that it's empowering to say I feel fat I don't believe that because I think it's actually the truth again is I feel insecure that's more the truth the focus here is on the other person's response and so whenever I shared, and I also feel a bit, I'm noticing a bit of insecurity coming up, sharing this with you, they kind of wanted to cover up, no, 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 no. You know, whereas my, my girlfriends who I do a lot of this work with, if I said that to them, they'd probably say something like, tell me more about the insecurity. Where do you think that comes from? <laughs> Which there's great things to both sides on one. You just sometimes don't want to go deeper and deeper. 
but on the other one, you also want the person to know that it's okay not to feel insecure. So again, though, I have sovereignty. So no matter how the person responds, I'm okay. I'm cool. Either they've done all this work and they know that it's cool to say that you feel insecure and they want to go deeper, they'll invite you to go deeper, or they might be on the other opposite end of the spectrum and try to cover it up and pretend like insecurity is not a thing, or they might be in the middle and just hold space for it. Does it really matter? Because I'm being so radically honest and open and it feels really freaking good. And I'm not leading them into failure because I'm being honest from the start and I'm not expecting them to read my mind. All right, the third question from David Data. Suppose her complaint about your lack of attention never ends. Remember, this is from the masculine perspective. So this is, I'm going to set up the scene. So if a masculine person is in a relationship and they are constantly being complained to by the feminine for not doing this, doing that, doing this, which you might have your own feelings coming up if you are in a committed relationship, like, ah, but my complaints are worthy. Like, I, I'm not saying they're not, I'm not saying they're not. But this is a thing the the masculine feels burdened by life and needs to do things to do and responsibilities. And the feminine feels like she's not receiving the amount of love and attention and warmth and energy and and depth that she wants. And she 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 has expectations. She wants things to be taken care of and, and rightly so. Okay. Suppose her complaint about your lack of attention never ends. What would you need to what would you need to do to be okay with that for the rest of your life? So let's look at this in the terms of your own masculine. So suppose that people in your life, like mothers, for example, or even I, I live by myself and I still feel this. I still feel this from people. Suppose that someone in your life is n- never going to stop needing things from you. What would you need to do to be okay with that? What boundaries would you need to set? What practices would you need to have? What kind of devotion would you need to give? What, how would you need to play with this if you knew, knew this complaint would never go away? If you knew that someone was never going to stop complaining to you about do more, do more, do more. Why aren't you picking up your socks? Why aren't you putting away the dishes? Why did you miss picking up the kids from school? It was your job. Why didn't you pay this bill? If this was never going to end, whatever that looks like in your life, everyone listening to this, doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, does not matter at all. If that was never going to end, how would you then deal with this? Usually the way we deal with this is through art and play. If you knew a serious complaint was never going to end, might as well have fun with it. It's so interesting. My parents actually do this and they're not of the David Data lineage and yet they do this. My dad will get on to my mom for something and he'll say something like, oh, Sharon, Jesus. And my mom will go something like, la di da and like just totally make this this joke out of it. And then they both start laughing. It dissolves the moment. No one cares anymore. They get over it. And sometimes the the opposite happens, though my mom's a little bit better at creating art out of these moments. But she does a really good job when my dad watches the news and gets his panties in a wad about something. Then she will say something that kind of wakes him up to the ridiculousness of his complaint. She creates art out of it. She makes it fun. So if you knew, uh, let's say, for example, let's say that if you knew you were never going to stop being complained about complain to about your socks being left on the floor, how would you then deal with that? 
if you knew it was never going to end, how would you have fun with it? One example would be to pick up whoever's complaining to you, pick them up, or tell them, you pick up, you pick up the sock. You pick up the sock right now. They'll pick up the sock and then put them over your shoulder and spank them for being so bad for leaving the socks everywhere. They left the socks everywhere. Or in a way, you're still picking up the socks. If they pick up the socks, then you, then you throw them over your shoulder and spank them. Like you can create something fun out of this humor. And the opposite side, looking at the feminine perspective, suppose his lack of attention, he never is present enough. Imagine that that never ends. How would you then deal for the rest of your life if he was never going to pick up the socks? And your heart is always yearning for him to see you so intensely that he sees you as someone that is worthy of not having socks everywhere. Or finally, he would plan that date. Imagine he's never going to stop, pardon my French, fucking up planning that date. What would you need to do in order to be okay with that? How would, what would you need to do? And this might be a practical thing, like giving him a checklist of things that you typically do whenever you plan the dates that he needs to do. <laughs> or maybe you need to create some emoji art or some giphy art by revealing to him how badly you want him to make the reservation for seven o'clock at a sushi place and do it right. So maybe you send him a little giphy of a woman fainting and you say, oh, you planning a date for me feels like this. And then whenever he does it wrong, if he does it wrong, you faint in real life. You go, you did it wrong. No. And you faint and you fall to the ground. And you cry. Right? Like how can you create something fun out of this situation that will never really end? Because your desire, feminine creatures, your desire for him to be present with you and to ravish you and to see you. And to do what he says he's going to do is probably not going to end. So how can you make it fun? No matter if it's this partner or your next one or the next one, this will always go on because you as a feminine creature are that deep. You are a, you are a forever fountain of, of desire. So it's not that it's just this guy in front of you isn't up to par, but the next one will be. It's most likely not the case because the masculine always feels burdened. So it's hard for the masculine to really feel the energy sometimes to be present enough. And that's why we're always craving for more of it. It's not deep enough. And so from the masculine's perspective, what he's craving is freedom. And he wants to be able to give us love, but at the same time, it feels like burden. And this, you can find, you can find this dynamic the deeper you go into David Data's work. And listen to the podcast that I did on, um, there's a three-part series that I did on the feminine, masculine, and polarity. And now this is going a little bit deeper into creating polarity and actually creating some sexual friction from a moment of tension. That is the next step is how can we actually create polarity and sexual tension and some yummy moments out of very real complaints, out of socks not being picked up, dishes not being done, kids not being picked up from school on time, dates not being planned correctly. How can you actually create something kind of sexy out of that? Like, for example, if if you, uh, feminine creature, um do something that the masculine gets a little frustrated at, you could cross your arms, turn away, give them the cold shoulder, or you could say, oh, 
yeah, I've been a very bad girl, haven't I? And go into your bad girl archetype when he's actually frustrated and kind of wink at him and give him a little bit of your bet. If he's calling you a bad girl in a different way, he's actually saying like, you didn't, you didn't do this thing. Then you go into, I've been a very bad girl or vice versa, right? If she's complaining at you because you're not doing something, how can you then go, oh yeah, been a very bad boy. I'm a bad boy. That's why you dated me because of my motorcycle, smoking cigarettes, black leather, even if you do, don't do any, all of that, any of that. So that is a way that you can play with that third question. If these complaints are never ending, what then would you do? Create art. And then the bonus question, I'm not, not going to go into that one today, but what would a queen do? What would an oracle do? What would a bitch do? What would a witch do? Just playing with that question of what would this archetype, whatever you're sitting with, what would that do? And that's it for today. I hope you enjoyed this podcast on three filter questions for life and love and three filter questions just for life in general. Things, Questions you can run your next steps through to see how you can go deeper, how you can play with them. If you want more, 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 if you have not yet downloaded the free gift I have on my website, it's different. If you've been sticking around for a while and you downloaded the gift even three months ago, it's different from that. This one is called the four... 10-minute practices for feminine embodiment. So if you're looking to get into your body and you don't have too much time to devote to it, these four practices are 10 minutes or less. You can get that by going to maddiemoon.com forward slash free gift. You can also leave a review on this podcast. If you've been listening for a year, two years, six years, and you have not left a review, my friends, I'm showing up for you every week and it'd be so nice for you to show up for me in that way as well. It is such a good way to get the podcast to have more awareness and be spread and get back into the the top ranked sections of health or self-help wherever this podcast may be right now so you can go to your itunes app you can go to itunes online and you can fill out five star review there It'd be so lovely of you and let me know if you have any questions on this episode if you want a follow-up episode on any particular avenue of something we talked about here i would love to know what that would be head on over to instagram or my website or email me to let me know I look forward to hearing more from you soon. Don't forget, I have a retreat coming up in November, the Embodied Archetype. Go check that out. Check that out at maddiemoon.com forward slash events. Fill out the application and I will email you back with more details. Can't wait to hear your thoughts on this episode and I'll see y'all very soon. Yeah.